Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Advisory Board Chair L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on all things startups. The Platform Podcast features conversations with founders, operators, and experts tackling a myriad of topics facing the marketplace and sharing economy startup ecosystem. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not professional advice. For specific issues, please seek an appropriate professional or contact us at info at marketplacerisk.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Elle. Hello, and welcome back to the Platform Podcast. Today, I am joined by Lieke van Kirkhoven, who is not only a Marketplace Risk Advisory Board member, she is co-founder of Flow2. Welcome to the podcast, Lieke. Hi, thanks, Al. Nice to be here. Really nice to have you on because we have we've communicated a lot via um, email and and all the usual ways. But I'm really interested to hear about your company and what what you've been doing. And also, welcome to the advisory board. It's, it's great to have you as part of the marketplace risk community. Yeah, yeah, great to be. I was happy to find you actually and uh, learn more about what you're doing and to be able to join and well provide my input um so that's really nice excellent and you are based in the netherlands yeah we are and whereabouts in the netherlands in the south so i usually say to people who know a little bit more about the netherlands outside of amsterdam (laughs) Uh, so we're in the south we're between eindhoven which is also pretty known to a lot of people in the tech scene uh, and tilburg which which is a smaller city so um we're we're an hour from utrecht and an hour from antwerp sort of great and yeah Flow to now. I'm going to spell that for listeners, although they, you know, will have seen that. But it's it's flow with a with a double O and yep. a, a two on the end. Tell me all about it because it's fascinating to me, and I'm so interested in the sharing economy, but applying that model to businesses. And I I, I think this is something that um, you've been doing for a while, and yep. um and and I really want to hear all about it. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, well, we started off in 2012 and um, because we, we thought that, well, if sharing for consumers is an opportunity because they have garages full of stuff, then obviously for companies, the opportunities are exponentially larger because they have warehouses full of stuff. Uh, but you have to imagine that in 2012, the circular economy was very small. It was very much in the childhood phase, let alone the sharing economy. Um, Airbnb was still for the early adopters and let alone B2B sharing because that was something that was just not happening except for the informal uh, networks because that's how we actually got the idea. Uh, I was managing a health clinic. I have a healthcare background and in my last position I was managing a clinic in Amsterdam and we would very often exchange all kinds of equipment with clinics in the neighborhood uh, or we would rent out our operating rooms because an, an an empty operating room is very expensive because there's all kinds of equipment you can't turn off. So uh, if you're not using it, then it's just leaking money. So we rented it out to other organizations. Uh, We would get an endoscope, for example, from the hospital. So we only had to replace a spare part instead of buying a whole new one, which would save us literally more than 10,000 euros. Um, But that all depended on the informal network. Me or my colleagues, we had to have the contacts or we had to be in the right mailing list. Uh, It was very inefficient Mm -hmm. because it was, you know, this huge 
group emails and then someone would always reply all saying, no, I don't need this, but perhaps Susan. (laughs) (laughs) And then if you needed it, you couldn't find it in your inbox or it was already outdated. So it was very inefficient. Um, But, you know, still it saved us a lot of money. And uh, I thought leaving that clinic because that was not my thing. But the seed was planted that 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 practice should be formalized and with the current technology that would also be possible so that anyone can access uh, and benefit from it. At that point, still from a very financial point of view, because the circular aspect was just, well, not so familiar yet. Mm, yeah. So that's how we started off. That's amazing. And how, Britt, I love it when I hear founders' stories and it was an actual problem or a, a, a situation that that prompted them to think that you know that that something could work um on a bigger scale or in a different way or yeah. a more efficient way because as you say you know we will we all love a reply all email but actually <laughs> you know these things actually hinder people being part of these processes because you know it, it just feels like something that's full of friction um and you know more difficult yeah. maybe than actually taking the easy route which is more expensive and and probably more wasteful. Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, so we started off as Flow2 was actually two platforms in the beginning. We were sharing marketplace ourselves. Uh, ourselves. So we had two marketplaces, one for healthcare organizations, so hospitals and long-term care organizations could share all kinds of resources uh, from equipment to idle stock to Uh, Also facilities, so things you are not moving, but that you have capacity of and you want to have other people rented from you, for example, and also knowledge. From the beginning, we've been the one-stop shop for all sharing, uh, and we had another platform for all the other kinds of organizations. Um, So that's how we started. Um, What did people think back then? Because this is is way ahead of its time. I mean, Airbnb was yeah in its infancy yeah. and um this idea of, of collaborative consumption was really That's what it um, was called back then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um it was really uh, you know but what did people think and how did people receive the idea? Yeah so it was really well received. So everyone said this is great and it's innovative and it's uh, how it should be done and uh, we were awarded all kinds of prizes on innovation or sustainability and we were mentioned in all kinds of trend reports by PricewaterhouseCoopers and all the other big ones you know in the world. Um so that was great, but in practice we actually saw that you know, not many organizations were actually doing it. It was way, it was way too hard of the time, like you already said. So there was no precedence. We could not, you know, provide uh, our potential users with information that it would gain you this and this because we simply didn't know. You can, of course, you know, make models and assumptions, but we had no um, examples that were already doing it, except mm-hmm. for the informal practices, of course. So. And then, you, you know, for consumers, it's easier to decide, well, I'm just going to try it. And, you know, it's if it's no success, then there's no harm. But for companies, that's different. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. presumably for a company, and this is what fascinates me about the difference between the, the sort of consumer version of the sharing economy and the business one. For businesses that, you know, as you say, it might be a bigger thing to, to take on. Um, but at the same time, the benefits, especially when you're looking at yeah. you know, P&L and the bottom line and all the rest of it, that must be quite a 
big driver for businesses to get involved because for a, a consumer maybe sort of renting out something in your wardrobe or your parking space or your home or something obviously there are um, financial rewards to be gained from that but for a business that that could be the difference between survival or not yeah yeah that's what we said <laughs> you know for the big companies it's it's an extra source of income to rent out your either capacity and for the small smaller ones it's an opportunity to actually take on uh, projects, for example, that they don't have the capacity for themselves and they cannot legitimize buying it because they don't have enough um, work for that, but then they can rent it from the bigger ones. So the rationale was there, but there was something in the mindset that just wasn't ready. There were all kinds of practical obstacles. Um, and in the end, it just turned out that for the public companies or the private companies, it was difficult to share their idle capacity or what they were looking for um, because they were afraid to give away competitive, sensitive mm -hmm. information. Uh, and for the publicly funded organizations like educational institutions and healthcare uh, and also governments, they were afraid to make transparent their idle capacity because they were afraid to be shamed that they had all this idle capacity that they had procured with public money. So well, they had obviously wasted that public money. So uh, we actually had that happen to a hospital who was brave enough, you know, to step over that shadow and make transparent their idle capacity. And then indeed, uh, a newspaper came along and said, well, this is odd because this hospital has all this idle stuff. And um, oh, how could it come so far? So mm -hmm. they withdrew. So that's also, that's the bumpy ride that we've had in the beginning. But the good thing was that in the end, we had a couple of organizations saying, well, this is the case. We don't want to share with everyone, but we do see the potential you know, of the picture that you're painting and we do want to share, but maybe perhaps just first internally. For example, we had a hospital that said, to be honest, we don't know what we have, where and when, and you know who has it. So we want an internal sharing marketplace. Can you make something like you already have, but then just for us so that we can uh, connect our departments and we have uh, three other locations and we want to connect them on a platform so that we can optimize the usage of our equipment, our furniture, our office supplies, our, you know all the things that the hospital has to perform their business uh, that, well, they, they don't, don't mm -hmm. use all the time yeah and the same happened for business networks that somehow had a connection either because they already had a collaboration or because they had a shared partner which could be a supplier for example that they had a trust relationship with and then the supplier said i want a sharing marketplace to provide to my clients or users or members um, and then they can start sharing in between them, uh, but it feels much safer because they already knew each other or they knew each other indir indirectly because they all had a relationship with the same mm -hmm. partner in the center. Mm -hmm. So that's how we evolved to from being a sharing marketplace ourselves um, to being a sharing marketplace maker. And that's the only thing we do today. We mm -hmm. just white label marketplaces. That's what we do. And for these various different groupings of businesses that take on this technology and share within themselves, and you've just given a couple of examples there, sort of like, you know, maybe membership organizations, because that yeah. would be a great uh, value add for a, a sort of, a, you know, a, a kind of business network to offer their members, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, and you, you mentioned like um, large organizations that maybe have multiple departments where one doesn't know what the other one is doing like a, a hospital or something like that um you, you know you, and i imagine sort of 
things like retail, uh, sort of industrial estates, sort of what we might call a business park or something, these types of things, where anywhere where businesses are grouped together. Who, Where have you found the, the biggest kind of interest and uptake or is it very varied, the people that come to you? It's varied. So we have uh, collaborations indeed with industrial parks or, or in estates, uh, retail clients, you know, like big uh, conglomerates that have various shops in various con- countries. But our biggest activity is in healthcare, and that comes in two forms. Uh, one of our well, our poster child, most poster child marketplaces is PharmaSwap. That's a platform where pharmacists are exchanging medication that's approaching the expiration date. So it's typically medication, the more expensive types of medication that they have ordered for a specific patient. Then the patient dies or changes treatment or somehow doesn't need that medication anymore. So it remains in the pharmacy. This is medication that has never left the pharmacy. So it was always stored under controlled conditions. Um, but that particular pharmacy doesn't have another patient coming in next week for the same prescription. So it remains with them. It sits on the shelves until it expires and then it has to be destroyed. And the medication production process is the third most ecologically hazardous process in the entirety of healthcare. And healthcare in itself is like responsible for five to 7% of each Western country's CO2 footprint. So to save a pill is really worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, but to exchange medication, to sell medication between pharmacists is actually not allowed by European regulations. So in the very beginning of that platform, it's quite an adventurous story, actually. Uh, <laughs> we went to the ministry, the Dutch Ministry of Health. We went to health inspection. Uh, they didn't recognize that there was actually a problem with wastage of medication in the pharmacies. Uh, so they said, well, if there is a problem, it's a wholesale problem because they should take it back. Uh, well, the wholesale, of course, said, well, it's not our problem. We've sold it. So mm-hmm. um, you do whatever you want with it. Yeah, we, <laughs> I'm don't, <not> take... <laughs> yeah, we don't want it. No, we don't want it unless the ministry tells us that we have to, but but they won't. So we, uh, we were kind of sent up and down and then we just started. We just started. We decided to start with a trusted community of 20 pharmacists um, to prove the case to the ministry that there's actually something there. And uh, we did. In six months, we saved... Well, more than 60,000 euros. Um, and uh, then we actually won a prize from the ministry for most sustainable healthcare initiative. And it was a week later that they realized, because they are, of course, different departments within the ministry. A week later, we got a call saying, well, you've won this prize. We were awarded 15,000 euros. Uh, but what you're doing is not allowed. So um, now we want to withdraw the money. <laughs> oh, my God. But then we had we opened the conversation saying, well, you know, we came to you before you didn't want to listen. Now we've proven that there is a case. You know, there's a lot of wastage going on because this was just 20 pharmacists. There are 2000 in the whole of the Netherlands. So, you know, the potential saving is enormous. And then the whole process started with Dutch health inspection allowing us formally for like a year and a half and then. Um, change our workflow so now we don't the pharmacists don't sell the medication but they on paper they exchange the patient and right. that's how it works so that's amazing but, it's like you had to win a prize just to get their attention yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so i just want to share this because sometimes you know you get all these obstacles if you want to start something there's a lot of people saying that it's not you know it's not going to work or it's difficult or it's you know, not possible or it's not even a problem um, but sometimes you just have to be very stubborn and mm-hmm. uh, 
go and do it anyway. Yeah, but this, this is perfect because actually, obviously, marketplace risk. We like to talk about you know the the risk, the regulation, the the, the legislation, you know, behind all of our marketplaces and how they work. And and I can see that what with what you're doing you're providing that technology for for sharing but at the same time some of these yep. industries are going to have this regulation um and presumably for each industry that you go into you're going to be faced with a, a yep. whole different bunch of, of regulations so how do you manage yep. that <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> case by case to be honest yeah. mm-hmm. um there have been people in our past that have advised us you know first make your impact in one particular sector and then you know roll out from there but we have always had this attitude that we should grow uh, organically you know we have to go where it flows and yeah. i think that's also because we started so early we could not afford to be very selective or um you know, it doesn't make sense to force your solution upon a certain market or in a certain country that's just not ready. So we have always gone where, well, where we were taken. And that's also why we have so many collaborations in such different countries and uh, markets. Um, But yeah, each market and even each country has their own challenges um, when it comes to exchanging goods and services Mm -hmm. uh, and in healthcare in particular. So we also run sharing marketplace nationwide uh, in the Netherlands for all other healthcare organizations. So all hospitals, elderly care, disability care, and they are exchanging basically everything except that medication that's shared on the other platform. So, but it's furniture, it's um, like consumables, like there's a lot of gloves and uh, personal protective items on there now because everyone has bought a lot and now they have them sitting yeah. on the shelves mm-hmm. uh, but there's also medical equipment and uh, medical aids and for medical equipment and medical aids there's also very restrictive red- regulation um, in relation to warranty so for example if as a healthcare healthcare organization i would sell my ultrasound machine legally i would become the supplier and no hospital wants that responsibility of warranty and those kinds of things so We are going to start another pilot now in collaboration upfront with the ministry uh, to solve these issues uh, because we also have to make sure that it's for uh, traceability. Um, There is registrations for all these kinds of medical equipment that you can always see where it is in when there is a recall. So we can always see this piece of equipment, this particular batch went there. So we have to register each transaction so that we always know that it went from hospital A to B. Um, so there's complex. a couple of yeah, very complex. <laughs> we, we talk about the, the the money saving and the regulation. Can we also touch on the the potential benefits in terms of sort of CO two yeah. savings? Because when we think about the consumer sharing economy, and obviously this this does make an impact, and the more people that do it, it can make a difference to um, you know food waste or um, you know fast fashion and all you know and um, maybe car ownership, all these sorts of things but this is this is one by one but these yeah. for businesses like this there must be a huge potential to reduce their um energy use and, and energy wastage as well but yeah. also to make a difference to their carbon footprint how do you measure that yeah so that, that that's really hard because there is no gold standard for measuring co2 savings or especially when you're talking about products but for example for the medication we have found an algorithm so that we can calculate per pill how much co2 is saved i believe it's like 
0.02 kilograms per pill or something. So we now have a way to calculate the impact there and also on the individual pharmacist's level. And the interesting thing is that now that we can do that, the health insurance companies want to talk to us because they want to incorporate sustainability uh, in their contracting with the healthcare suppliers, also the pharmacists, uh, but it has to be measurable for them. So now, you know, it becomes interesting to those kinds of parties as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a platform for the Danish capital region, which is also a health facilitating governmental body. And they are exchanging just furniture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the first months, I believe they have saved like 12,000 kilograms of CO2 because they have a way to calculate uh, how much they save per chair and table. Uh, But that's just incredibly impressive what they have been doing. Yeah. Yes. That is is incredible. Um, And yeah, um, that's just surely the tip of the iceberg as well, because it's just that that they're they're sharing. And presumably if it's just that they're sharing, is it because they just want to test the model and do it with something that maybe doesn't um, involve that much regulation? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they've started with with furniture also because that was their biggest pressing issue. They had a lot of furniture, and it's also it's a big expense for them. Uh, and it is indeed very easy because there's no restrictive regulation. Mm-hmm. But they do want to expand to other kinds of goods. And the the great thing for them is that they are in fact one organization, although they are different hospitals. But because it's a central governmental body, it's easier for them because it's all internal sharing. Right. And it's not within actual, between individual companies who have a separate entity. Mm. Exactly. And another benefit, Lieke, am I right in saying that by connecting businesses or even just departments of the same business, aside from the financial and um, sustainability benefits, that there is a benefit by, from collaborating in the first place, just that connection. What? Well, how have you found that to to help help the actual people that you've worked with? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So actually, my experience is that um, people who are enthusiastic and the initiators of a sharing marketplace in their organization or in their community, they are driven either by the ecological aspect or by the social aspect because they want to create more cohesion in their organization or in their network. Um, and more collaborative culture. So we actually had one disability care organization here in the Netherlands. They are, I think, the, the biggest. They have like 800 facilities spread across across the country. and a, But a facility can be like a, a home where a couple of their clients live. So it can be very small, but it can also be very big. And they grew through merging with various smaller organizations, very regional, very often. So at some point, they discovered that a lot of the regions had no real connection to their central brand because well, they were just bought up by this big organization. But because the people who are daily caring for these clients in this particular home, well, they don't really care about headquarters mm-hmm. on the other side of the country. So they actually th- said, well, we want to share a marketplace because these homes, you know, they, they want new furniture or they are new uh, toys or, you know, things to help their clients. And uh, we hope by you know, making this platform and creating the connections, you know, between the regions, but also across the regions that we we create a more collaborative culture in our company and that people feel more connected mm-hmm. to the central organization. So that was actually very ill. It was a social uh, reason to start doing it. And then, of course, somewhere in the decision-making process, the financial aspect becomes uh, 
relevant, but it's usually either the ecological or the social that mm-hmm. starts the process. And it's the other ones that follow. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Licky, you've talked about multiple countries that you've you're working in. Can you tell me a bit about where you are and 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 also what your um, what your vision is for Flow Two? Yeah. So uh, we are basically active or mostly active in uh, Europe. We have some smaller activities in Canada. Uh, and it is our vision. Uh, our vision is still to to have a huge global network of inter and intra connected companies and organizations. And we recognize that for the meantime, you know, that has to be divided in subgroups or per sector or whatever, because everyone just has to get used to the concept and uh, the level of readiness great, greatly varies between countries or regions or sectors. So um, we built these communities. All our communities are modular, so they can all be connected if people want to. Um, So we can open up uh, if, for example, a pharmacist at some point says, well, I also have furniture to share. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Can I join uh, the healthcare platform, for example, or the regional business community? Because my my city also has a sharing platform. I want to join there to, well, I don't know, to share something else he has. So we can always, uh, on an account level, connect different Uh, communities to each other and then people can decide in which community they want to advertise their their capacity so that is still our vision but we have to you know we we have to make it smaller uh, (laughs) for where people are right now yeah no it's fantastic it's so interesting um Liki the time has flown by um because I'm so fascinated by this and I'd love to hear more I believe you will hopefully be joining us for the Sharing Economy Global Summit in London in October. So yep. maybe people that are coming to that will get the chance to hear more about Flow2 and, and what you're doing. I think it will be a really exciting addition to the speaker lineup. So thank you for getting involved in that and with Marketplace Risk in, in general. And, and thank you for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It has flown by indeed. I have so much more to share. <laughs> I know. I think I think we're going to have to do a part two to this one for sure. But thank you for joining me today, Lique, and yeah. um, look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to check us out at marketplacerisk.com for information and resources to help startups launch, grow, and succeed. And follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk to stay up to date on all of our conferences, summits, virtual events, and more.